Well, hey, hey, everybody. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, and I am your host, Dana Shea. Thank you so much for being here today. Before we jump into the meat, the juicy, juicy meat of episode 35, I want to remind you, if you have not already registered for the Boundaries Workshop, run, do not walk, over to danashay.com forward slash workshops. This workshop, you guys, is critical if you want to build healthy relationships. I believe that probably one of the leading factors in people having toxic and unhealthy relationships is a lack of boundaries. And most people don't have boundaries because they don't know how to create them. So be sure that you are registered for the workshop. It's happening on Friday, April 23rd at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You are not going to want to miss it. It's going to be so much fun, but it's also going to be super informative and it's really going to help you out in your relationships. Well, you guys, we are right in the middle of our single AF series. And thank you so much for those of you who are reaching out on social media, letting me know how much these episodes mean to you. That was absolutely my hope when I started this whole series, because I really believe that single men and single women are highly overlooked. And so I wanted to do a series that focuses on you and your extraordinary selves. So on the show with us today, we have the amazing Mandy Hale. Now, Mandy is a New York Times bestselling author. Mandy has been everywhere, you guys. And when I say everywhere, I'm talking Oprah everywhere, okay? That's right. She was featured on Oprah's Life Class, the tour event. She was also a featured speaker at the Women of Faith Conference and T.D. Jakes' Woman Thou Art Loose Conference. Mandy has been called a Twitter powerhouse, probably because she has, oh, just a little bit over a half a million Twitter followers, a quarter of a million Instagram followers, and you can find her on social media at The Single Woman. Mandy has been featured in Glamour Magazine, Huffington Post, and a host of other media outlets. I was super excited when her publisher sent me an advanced copy of her latest book, Don't Believe the Swipe, and I started reading the book, even though obviously I am married A, I do do my due diligence, and I knew that because she was coming on the podcast, I needed to read the book. But B, I want to know what is going on in the single lives of you guys. And I laughed the whole way through. This book is so funny. I love in the very front of the book, she gives us this whole dictionary of like modern dating lingo. I learned so much, you guys. And so you are going to want to go pick up a copy. You can find the book everywhere books are sold. It's called Don't Believe the Swipe. Finding Love Without Losing Yourself. And so we're going to talk a lot about some of the principles, some of the lessons that she's learned from her dating fiascos that she writes in the book. And we're also going to talk about this whole deal of being intimidated, right? I don't know about you ladies, but have you ever heard a guy tell you that you were intimidating Yeah, we are going to debunk that myth on the podcast today. So you guys are not going to want to miss that. This is a really, really great one. Make sure if you are not already subscribed to Real Relationship Talk podcast that you subscribe right now, right while you're listening so that every single time I release a new episode on Tuesday, they will show up for you just like magic. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Mandy Hale. (laughs) 
All right, Mandy. Well, super excited to have you here today. I cannot wait for this conversation. I've been so looking forward to our conversation today. And you're going to be you know, new to a lot of my audience. And I'm sure that some people will know who you are. And so I'm going to encourage everyone to, of course, go out and get Mandy's book, which of course we will talk about in great detail. So you are like a social media beast. You're really popular on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, you've got over 500,000 followers. On Instagram, you've got over 200,000 followers. And your handle is at the single woman. So my question to you is what happens when you are no longer single? Yeah, I've actually gotten that question quite a few times. And I think for me, I'm going to always have a heart to inspire and encourage single women. So I don't think it's going to be going away. I think that I will hopefully just have new, you know, stories and hopefully wisdom and adventures and life lessons to share. And the cool thing about it is that you know, I've been doing this for 10 years and my audience has, a lot of them have been with me from the very beginning and they have grown and changed and evolved and their lives have, you know, moved them forward. And so a lot of my audience is now either engaged, married, has children, you know, so it's a very, uh, just been such a great, um, you know, decade of growing along with my audience. So I think that wherever I am in my relationship status, I hope, I think they'll stay with me and I, I hope that they will. And, you know, I'll just continue to share my heart regardless of, uh, you know, maybe I'll be talking about my husband and the lessons I'm learning, you know, walking with him as opposed to the lessons I'm learning from this crazy dating world. Yeah, if it's so interesting, like, you know, your audience will be like loyal. And I find that true. And my with my audience is that even though I speak to mostly married people, there is a a good amount of single people who follow me, which is why I'm doing this whole single series for them. And one of the things that you said that had me dying over here, um, it was an old Twitter or old Instagram post. And you said, never ask a man if he's single ask him, is there anyone under the impression that they're in a relationship with you? I was like, that's so good. Because like, how many single women are just going about their business in this relationship? And this guy is like in a whole nother relationship. Yeah, I feel like it's wild, because there are some bold people out there. I mean, in this day and age, it's really easy to bust someone for, you know, if they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing, whether they're you know, it's because they were tagged in a social media post or, you know, you see pictures online or whatever. So yeah, there's definitely some, some very bold and I'm sure it's happening for the men too. I don't, I don't ever want to, you know, I'm not a man basher at all, but I can only speak from the female perspective. Uh, But yeah, there's definitely some people out there who are, who are juggling more than one partner at a time. um, I think I, I was kind of hopeful that maybe, COVID might kind of curb that a little bit, but from what I'm hearing from my single girlfriends who are, you know, kind of starting to get back out there in the dating scene, it does not sound like it has. Right. (laughs) Like people are going to find energy. I'm like, it just takes up too much energy and time. Like who has that kind of time to be juggling all these relationships? So what do you prefer? Do you prefer Instagram or Twitter or like, what is your favorite social media platform? Well, that's a good question. I would say I probably connect more with people on Twitter. Um, and But then just like sharing my heart, I've found that Instagram seems to feel like the best place to kind of, you know, pour out whatever, um, whatever life lesson I've learned that day or whatever I may be struggling with or learning about or, you know, going through. Um, I think probably Instagram, but I, I have 
love in my heart for all of them in different ways. And then of course, I'll, they also annoy me in different right. ways. So. <laughs> right, yes. right. Have you tried yeah. Clubhouse yet? Have you been on Clubhouse? Oh, I've actually kind of reached the point where it's like, I'm done setting up social media pages, like, cause I'm a one woman operation. Like I don't have you know, this huge team, I've always been very hands-on with my platforms. And I think even if I did have a huge team, I would have trouble surrendering the reins just because I like to, to be that person who's posting the content. And I don't want it to ever feel like I'm just a bot or just like, mm-hmm. you know, someone, someone who's not me posting stuff just to keep people engaged. I legitimately share you know, things that I go through and I I curate the content and I find the quotes or I write the quotes and I share different things that I'm going through in my life. So I I don't, you know, I just don't have the capacity to kind of be on all these new platforms. I I do have a a TikTok handle or whatever the appropriate term Mm -hmm. is, but I've done nothing with it. And I have not even ventured into Clubhouse yet. I mean, I say that now, I guess if, you know, that could always change, but I'm kind of like, no more. I can't handle any more social media platforms. No, I totally feel you. It's like, it's never going to stop, you know? Right. And and I was telling you before we actually started um, the recording, here is the book right here, Don't Believe the Swipe. And so we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, but just like leading off, what is the swipe? Like, of course, I thought about like Public Enemy, you know, like that old song, right. I guess from like the 80s, you know, don't believe the hype, right? Uh, well, see, that's kind of like the day that I came up with the title, because I knew I wanted to write a dating book. Um, it's actually kind of a funny story. This this fifth book was supposed to be about something totally different. And then I got really inspired about a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I went to my publisher and I said, we need to change this book. Because I'm in my early, you know, at that point I was like 40, now I'm 42. I was like, there's only, there's a very limited window of time that I'm going to be able to write a dating book and people take me seriously that, you know, before I'm, you know, just completely beyond the age of where people would want to listen to what I have to say. I don't mean to be ageist when I say that. I just mean like, you know, date most people in their 40s, 50s and beyond are married and settled and don't, Mm -hmm. you know, don't really need to read a dating book. So I was like, I feel like this is the age where I need to write this book. And so they were very, you know, accommodating and said, yes, let's do it. And I was driving one day trying to come up with the perfect title. And it hit me. I was like, because I I love wordplay and puns and all of that jazz. And you know, the title hit me. I literally had to pull over to the side of the road and I got so excited. I was like, I'm going to run into another car. And I immediately went online and bought don't believe the swipe.com and was just so excited about the title. And I think, you know, as someone who has, you know, I'm 42, I've been out there on the dating apps for a few years now. uh, And I quickly learned that the swipe, it can kind of become, you know, most dating apps now, when you're going through matching with people, You either swipe right if you like them or swipe left if you're not interested in them. And unfortunately, it's so based on just such superficial things because, you know, you're looking at a picture and you a few words of someone's bio. I mean, you're basically judging whether or not this person could be your life partner on the way they look in a couple of pictures. Mm -hmm. So it can become something that if you're not careful, it can get in your head And you can get caught up in, well, why am I not matching with more people? Or why is this not working out for me? Or why is this guy ghosting me? Or why is this person not responding to my message? 
And it can become something that sort of defines how you're feeling about yourself and how you're viewing yourself. And you can start to really internalize it. And it it can end up becoming this really sort of negative, um, you know, thing that chips away at your self-esteem. And I just by talking with my single girlfriends and guy friends for that matter, um, and all of my audience, it's my fans, readers, followers, whoever, who are still single, they feel the same way. So I think that for me, I wanted to write a dating book, but I also wanted it, I kind of call it like the undating book because I also wanted it to ultimately circle back around to the fact that, I mean, yes, there's all these weird mating rituals that we have to go through to find love in this day and age. But what it really comes down to is your relationship with yourself. And that has to be handled first. It has to be taken care of first. It has to be, you have to be so sure of yourself and love yourself and be so confident in who you are that if you, you know, you can go on these dating apps and you can go through all the processes and the rejection and the disappointment and the heartbreak and all these things without losing yourself. You have to find a way to be able to do that. And the way to do that is to just be so centered in who you are and so confident about who you are and do whatever it takes to get to that point. For me, it's been, you know, a combination of just wisdom and maturity, a lot of therapy, um, you know, doing all the things that I can possibly do to, to, uh, you know, feed my spirit and my soul and my mind and my body and my heart and just make sure that I'm as healthy of a person as I can be. So when I'm going on these dating apps, I can, I can kind of do it with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? It doesn't define me. I am in charge of it. It's not in charge of me. Yeah. And you write about that in the book where you talk about so many people have lost just the fun of dating, where it's like this whole initiation process or interview process to find a spouse. And instead of just saying, this is an opportunity for me to actually meet somebody really fun, to actually go on adventures with people. And so I love the fact that you're bringing the single mindset to have fun, enjoy your single life. You also said in the book that if you are basically, if you're not happy with yourself as a single person, you're not going to be happy as a married person. And I run into that all the time with the clients that I coach where they're married, but they got married to somehow fix something that was broken or that they got married because not only companionship, but they got married to kind of, uh, you know, the whole age old, you complete me mess. Right. 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 My girlfriend and I actually did an episode, a few episodes, I think it was 32 um, on being happily single. She was saying a lot of the same things about, you know, you have to learn how to be confident confident in who you are first. And even when you were talking about, um, I forget what chapter it's in, but you were talking about if I want to eat cold pizza in the morning, and if I want to eat cereal at night, if I want to throw my stuff all over the bed, like, and I laughed at it because it's like, that is it. Like it's, it's finding joy and contentment in the season of life that you're in. And I think that when we do that in any situation, we open ourselves up then to say, okay, now I'm ready for a relationship. Taking back your power in dating is so important too. Like, I feel like it, I don't know if the pressure is the same for men, but I know women, especially as you, you know, get into your thirties, approaching your forties, forties and beyond, you start to, people start to, to view your dating life as one of the quotes in the book says, we have to stop treating every man we meet as our last chance at happiness. Mm -hmm. We get so stuck in our heads that like, when we're going on these dates, we're not even focused on, do I actually like this person? We're obsessing over, do they like me Mm -hmm. and actually have a, 
a girlfriend right now. I was texting with her this morning. She had been in a situation with a guy where because of COVID, they had not yet met in person, but they've been for 45 days. They've been communicating. They've been FaceTiming. It's not like it was they didn't know what each other looked like. They've been texting, talking nonstop. They finally met in person yesterday and he tells her, I'm sorry, there's just no spark. And she was like obsessing, like, I don't, I'm, I'm going to reach out to him again. And, and I, I'm going to tell him, I don't buy that there's no spark. And I said, you know, I, I do what you feel like you need to do. I personally wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the fact that if you really sit and think about it, like really stop and think about it, did you feel a spark? Because maybe it was just kind of a, you know, everything seemed great. And then you met in person and there just wasn't any real life chemistry. But she was so concerned with how he was responding to her, what he was saying. She wasn't even thinking about how she was feeling about him. And I think that that gets lost. That's that's one of the ways that you know that this wife is ruling your life. If you are not even thinking about like what you're looking for and if that person fits those, you know, checks those boxes for you that you're just too busy obsessing over. Is he going to like me? Am I going to be enough for him? How's he going to respond to me? I think we've got to get out of that mindset Um, because that definitely leads you, like you said, it leads you to latch on to someone for the wrong reasons to fix stuff that's going on in you, to make you feel better about you, to make you feel whole and complete. And that ultimately leads down a road of, you know, eventually if you end up with that person, probably a very unhappy and unfulfilling marriage for both of you, because you got married for the absolute wrong reasons. Right. And I think age does kind of exacerbate that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You I'm, I'm turning 40 this year and I'm, I'm feeling it's some kind great, of way. It's very empowering. I'm telling Is it? you. Cause I'm in mourning 40, right now. <laughs> 40, no, 40 for me was like the most empowering. It really is just kind of this age. That's like, okay, I'm, I'm done with the nonsense. I'm just going to be me and I'm going to stop apologizing for it. And this is who I am and you can take it or leave it. So now, obviously every year after 40, as you tick closer to, you know, 50 and midlife, I guess that's a little bit stressful, but I think I would say embrace 40 because for me, it was such a, just so wonderful sort of coming into my own sort of experience turning 40. So I think that's helpful. Well, yes. that, thank you. Um, I guess I'll I'll start to, you know, get out of morning and start looking forward to it. It's so funny because I said when I turned 30, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm like a real adult now, you know, and and I'm thinking the same way. I have two adult children, mind you. And um, I'm just like, I just I can't I'm I'm not there yet. But it's interesting that, you know, we're talking about how a lot of people look at age and they're like, I'm taking closer to 50. And so, and again, I see that on the marriage side too, where people will get married really young. And then now that they are in their forties, they're realizing like, I'm in an empty relationship. I've wasted a lot of my youth. I've wasted those like precious years. And because I was told by people's expectations or the church or whatever it is, you know, that I need to be in this relationship. And so I think that people really do need to understand that there is such beauty in singleness. I don't think that that's a message that the church preaches very often. It's all about like, get married, get married, get married, have a family. And, you know, even my job, I'm a pastor at my church as well. And one of my responsibilities is I'm over the family ministries, uh, you know, department, if you will. And I'm always saying like family ministries really, it should um, encompass everyone. It's not just children or it's not just marriages. Ladies. 
I have just the workshop for you. You guys, so many of you have struggled with making boundaries. Some of you right now know that you need to create boundaries in your life, but you don't know how. Many of you might wonder, am I selfish? Do I really have the right to tell this person no? Maybe it's an employer. Maybe it's a spouse. Listen, I am doing a boundaries workshop on Friday, April 23rd from 7 to 9 p.m. This is one workshop you are not going to want to miss. Your relationship cannot afford for you to miss this workshop. We are going to come together as a group of women. We are going to talk about what it means to create boundaries, what it means to say no without feeling guilty, how to have confidence and actually asserting yourself and doing it in a way that you won't come across as mm, itchy with a B. Okay. And so ladies, you are going to want to come on Friday, April 23rd, 7 to 9 p.m. Register today at danashay.com forward slash workshops. Can't wait to see you there. Now let's get back to our show. I'm going to pull up this message translation because Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians um, 7, 7. And it's a very well-known scripture, but I just love the message translation. I want to get your take on this. He says, sometimes I wish everyone were single like me, a much simpler life in many ways, but celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. God gives the gift of the single life to some and the gift of the marriage life to others. What do you think about I've never heard that translation and I love the message. So that surprises me. I definitely feel like we have so much room for growth. I mean, not just churches, but pop culture and, and the way that, that the news treats singles. The way, I, I don't know. I just feel like singles are kind of like the redheaded stepchildren of, <laughs> of the family. They, we don't really get, we're kind of dismissed. Like you don't have meaning even like, I love listening to the Frank Sinatra station on Sirius I'm not, when I'm driving in my car. But every time that song comes on, you're nobody until somebody loves you. Mm. I turn it off in just a rage because it's like we have, I mean, even back in those days, like the Frank Sinatra, day, like it up until now, not much has changed. I yes. feel like we kind of have that attitude in all aspects. I mean, at work, single people tend to get the short end of the stick because people are like, I used to hear this you don't have a family. So you, you should be able to work on Christmas Eve. We all need to be home with our family. And I'm like, I don't have a family. I don't have a mom, a dad, a sister, nieces, you know? So I think we have to really, and that's part of why I started, you know, my blog in the first place, because I wanted to say, we have to stop doing this. We have to stop treating, you know, singleness, like it's a disease or like, mm-hmm. it's just, um, just, a, another, something to be dismissed on the way to marriage. Cause some of us, you know, I hope I'm going to end up married someday, but I don't have any guarantee of that, but I don't think that my life has any less value than, you know, my married friends. I don't think that I should have to, you know, be dismissed for being single. I don't think that I should be left out of activities because I'm single. I don't think that there should be, you know, all these different groups for married people and families and, all this at church, but there's the singles group is, you know, your college age and twenties. And then everybody else just drops off. There's no singles group. There's literally nowhere for people to plug in. I actually attended a church a few years ago that I absolutely loved, but every Sunday I would go in and no one would speak to me Mm -hmm. because I was by myself. And I would see the married couples and the families go in and be greeted and you know, embraced and plugged into the church. And I was just kind of this sort of, you know, person that kind of stood out and, and odd men out and didn't really have anywhere to fit in or plug in. And 
I ended up ultimately leaving the church, even though I loved the, the message. I loved the heart of the church. I loved, you know, the, the just various things that the church stood for, but they didn't have a place for singles. So mm-hmm. I think it is the church, but it's not just the church. It's, mm-hmm. it's, we have to really, and that's part of what I've been really working, you know, to kind of give the other side of the story for the past decade. Like, Hey, we're here and we matter. And we've spent like literally hundreds and thousands of dollars over the years celebrating our married friends and and their choices. So when are our choices going to start being celebrated? And there's actually a chapter in the book about that. Like why that we should have showers for single people too, because Oh, hey, what what about when I hit the New York Times list or my friend won an Emmy or my other friend, you know, traveled the world by herself or, you know, what about these life choices? These are things that are worth celebrating too. not taking anything away from the married people, because absolutely we should be celebrating weddings and engagements and children and all these other things. But single people deserve that same respect. No, I completely agree. I was just having a conversation with someone in our church two weeks ago, and I said, you know, I want to start throwing, like, we do baby dedications, and we mm-hmm. we have all of these milestones that celebrate the family, but I was like, I want to do, like, housewarming parties. Like, think about it, If you're 23 years old, and you buy your first house, like, what better way to, like, hey, the church rallies around you and or throws you. Or if you're 43 years old. Or if you're 43. That's, yeah. that's right. So I, I definitely think that we need to do a better job with celebrating these milestones for sure. Yeah. Love that. So I love in your book, I feel like it's like all of these stories, right? Like you're sharing obviously like good relationship advice and wisdom, but then it's like in the backdrop, we are seeing all of these kind of crazy dating mishaps. (laughs) I've had my share of those for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The stories are at heart. They're all things that happen, but I change around details quite a bit. So nobody could be identified. Nobody like I, I might swap one guy, something that happened with one guy with something that happened with another guy, like the timing. So I can kind of like make sure I always conceal people's identities. Um, I definitely never want to to put something out there that would that would pinpoint exactly who I'm talking about or would be hurtful or you know, whatever to them. So I try to keep it very much in, in good humor and very much anonymous. There are some things that I keep to myself sometimes for a while until I'm ready to talk about it. And sometimes forever, for example, in this book, I briefly touched on a very painful breakup that I went through three years ago, but I didn't go into any into any real details about it because I just wasn't quite ready. So there are some things I always think about that quote um, in the movie Titanic, where she says a woman's heart is a deep ocean of secrets. And I think that sometimes it's okay to let us, you know, to keep things between us and, and God and um, not share with the masses. And maybe there will come a time when I'll be ready to write more about that breakup. Maybe that'll be the next book, or maybe I won't. Um, but I try to always make sure I have enough enough distance from something to make sure I have the appropriate perspective on it. So I'm not going to go out on a date a week ago and write about it tomorrow. It's probably going to be a few months once I've had time to give it just some time, let the dust settle, see how I'm feeling about things and then say, okay, what did I glean from either this wonderful, this terrible, this ridiculous, this hilarious, this nightmare experience, what did I glean from it that I can share with my audience that they might be able to take 
you know, forward in their own life. So yeah, that's kind of how I, how I do things. No, I think that's so wise. That's just wisdom. And I think the fact that you are like putting your stories out there, like again, me as a married woman, I'm reading this, like, I can totally relate to that. Like I can understand, you know, how you would kind of be drawn on. I love your character descriptions, Chandler being, and, you know, Ross and, you know, all of these other folks. Such a, like a TV movie, pop culture junkie nerd that I always wanted to write a book, you know, where I, I was able to kind of let that side of me come out. And this book was the perfect opportunity for that. Um, so yeah, I loved being able to do, I was like, what can I do? Like, what are some of my favorite, you know, TV and movie references that I can kind of take that and plug into this book and make it fun and you know, funny and relevant for other people who are reading this book. That's awesome. Mandy, I want to ask you about something you wrote about, which I thought, man, I I would love to hear her take on this, like even like teased out a little bit more where you talked about the intimidation factor. And yes. I think, you know, for someone like you, who you are very successful in what you do, you have a very public image out there. I could easily see how a guy would be intimidated kind of approaching you. And I remember when my husband, Sean, and I were dating and I was 18, you know, and he would say like, you intimidate me. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, I had no idea of what that is. And I think a lot of women do hear that. And so I love the fact that you kind of took what a lot of guys say, and you basically debunked it as a myth. You're like, they're not really intimidated because if they, what guys want, they go after. But what would you tell a woman who is hearing that? Because I think one of the things that you said that was so important, you were basically like, don't dumb yourself down. Don't feel like that you have to somehow come down to his level because he is the one who's intimidated, not you're not doing anything wrong. And I thought of something that when I'm coaching my clients, I always talk about you statements versus I statements. And Mm -hmm. so for a guy to tell someone to, for a guy to tell a woman, you are intimidating. That's putting something on her. Like she's doing something wrong. Most guys don't say I am intimidated because that means that he has to take responsibility, right? He's got to take ownership. Right. But what would you tell a woman if she's dealing with this a lot? Part of the book and part of the one of the part of the chapter I talk about, and I had a lot of fun writing that particular chapter because I actually did kind of go out and I did the research and I did not just like I posted on social media and said, hey, this question's for the guys. I want your responses. And then I have these this group of like dear lifelong friends who there's core group of us that we've known each other since like first grade. and like three of the guys are still single in the group. And I said, I need like, just get real with me. I don't want to hear the the polite answer. I don't want to hear what you think I want to hear. I want you to just break it down for me. And I actually have direct quotes from some of them um, in the book. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is like, like you said, it's almost like if a guy wants an easy out, it's almost like he can compliment you by saying, he's intimidated or you're too much for me. Or I I had a guy, you know, there's a story in the book where I talk about a guy who would constantly tell me I'm not enough for you. And usually what that means is that he's not willing to do whatever it takes to be enough for me, for you, for whoever. Um, So I think certainly there is, there is room for intimidation. I think, you know, if you are, I mean, you, for example, if you were out there in the dating world, you're, you're very clearly successful. You're smart. You're beautiful. I could see that a guy would be intimidated about approaching you. And that was the number one thing that my guy friend said. It's like, usually if the intimidation factor comes in, it's in that first initial approach. It's like, okay, do I, 
do I want to shoot my shot here? Do I have a chance here? Should I even go in for, you know, for the, the, the try here? Or should I just kind of like think that she's not in my league and I'm going to, I'm going to ease on down the road. So usually if the intimidation thing is a factor, it's going to be, he's just not going to approach you at all. That's what I learned from my guy friends. And that made a lot of sense to me because I think about when I've been out, obviously pre COVID, when I would be out at a coffee shop, you know, writing or hanging out or whatever. And I would see a cute guy, you know, I would be like super shy and intimidated and nervous about approaching him. So, you know, I've literally never approached a guy like that in my life. So I definitely was intimidated and I've been intimidated. So I certainly think that that's a factor in the early approach or maybe even after the first date or two. But I think I had women who came to me and said, you know, I was with this guy for three months or six months or whatever. And all of a sudden he came up and said, I can't do this anymore. I'm just too intimidated by you. I'm like, no, after after three months, six months, that's just a polite way of dismissing you so you feel good about yourself in the dismissal because who's going to get upset about that if someone tells you you're just too good for me or you're just too strong you're too smart you're too successful you're too beautiful you're too this you're too whatever that's almost like complimenting you as they send you out the door <laughs> one of the shows that right. I've been watching I've been re-watching a lot of like light-hearted funny shows during the pandemic and one I don't know if you ever watched Heart of Dixie but they talk about like a compliment sandwich when they're trying to break up with a girl, like they give her a compliment, then they do the breakup, then they compliment her again, then they send her on her way. And it's like, no, like you don't get to use the intimidation factor after about the first, you know, week or two after that. No, it's just you wanting to bail on the relationship and wanting to do it in a way. So I feel flattered instead of angry that you're bailing on the relationship. Yeah. And I think something that you brought home too, is that like, that is a great warning sign. Like a woman shouldn't feel like, oh, I need to try to keep him. It's like, he's telling you, you are too much for me and I don't feel good enough for you. And so that's Mm -hmm. like, thank you so much for telling me that information before I start getting all my heartstrings attached to you and everything. And so I just thought that that was really good. I think that's going to help a lot of women because there are a lot of successful women out here who are doing their thing, who are letting their light shine, if you will. And we've heard like, you know, don't dim your light. But I think in practical terms, like there, there's also that fear. I think that a lot of women have, like, if I am too successful, if I make too much money, then somehow that's going to lessen my chances of finding a guy. And I think maybe, maybe that will weed out, you know, some of the guys. Um, I think that the quote that you were referring to, um, I love when your friend said, if she's super strong, successful, confident, beautiful, smart, accomplished, or all of the above, uh, one man admitted that the alpha female, uh, i.e. a woman who possesses all the qualities and traits that he had always wished for himself, I thought that was really powerful, um, Mm -hmm. was intimidating, but still inspiring. And I think that that's it. It's like, there's a lot of men who honestly are just insecure. And so when they're up against a confident, accomplished woman, that shines a light on their own insecurities. And so instead of them leveling up themselves, they're like, okay, I need to get out of this relationship because she's too much for me. Right. And I think, was it Maya Angelou who said, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. That's right. Somebody tells you they're not enough for you, you have to just believe them. Like they're going to everything they're saying or not saying for that matter is telling you exactly what you need to hear. You just have to believe them. Like, like what I referenced earlier with my friend, 
um, the guy told her there's no spark. So she can go back to him until we're old and gray and say, I don't believe that there's no spark. I want the real answer here. But he told, you know, he showed her who he is, regardless of whether it's that or some other reason altogether. Cause she even said, you know, maybe he's just intimidated by me. And I'm like, you know, maybe he is, but like, he's telling you exactly who he is. He doesn't want the relationship. He doesn't want to put in the effort, whether it's that he doesn't feel like there's a spark or he's intimidated at this point, it really doesn't even matter because he showed you, you know, who he is and it's time for you just to believe him and, you know, move on and realize that the person ultimately what it comes down to. And, you know, this is true regardless of, of age, stature in life, whatever the person that is truly meant for you, nothing is going to be able to keep them away. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter how inconvenient it might be. It doesn't matter if, you know, COVID is going on. It doesn't matter if they're intimidated. It doesn't matter if they're not ready or whatever they're going to get ready. If, if they see what some, you know, something, someone, a relationship that they want. Um, so I think that's what it really comes down to at the end of the day. That's so great. Well, as we wrap up this, I love the definitions that you put. I learned a lot <laughs> in the definition, <laughs> the modern dating definition. I was like, if anything makes you feel old, read a dating book when you've been married for 20 plus years. Like I was like, what the heck? So I want you, I just pulled out three definitions that I had never heard of. Of course, we've all heard of like situationship, right? Like most of us probably. Um, but there's three definitions that you said that I'd never heard of. And that was flea bagging, roaching, and pocketing. I was like, roaching? What the heck? What is this? Just make me laugh. And I will tell you, when I sent this book in to be edited, I said, please tell me we have a millennial who's editing this. And my editor, <laughs> bless her, she's like, I don't know, in her 50s. And she's like, no, I'll be editing it, but I, I can do it. I, you know, I, I know I can do it. And I said, I just feel like, because even for me, I'm not a millennial, but I looked up a lot of these terms. I picked up a lot of these terms on social media I just thought that this was such a funny, like just when I read like flea, but just the term makes right. me laugh. Um, so actually, I'm actually referencing it myself because I don't even remember myself, but <laughs> flea is when you keep choosing to date guys, or I guess if you're a guy, girl. So, you know, if you keep choosing to date people who are the absolute worst for you over and over and over and over and over again. So I guess, you know, like, if you keep like your cat keeps getting fleas over and over and over again, and you can't get rid of them. I guess yeah. that's kind of where that term comes from. Uh, what was the next one? Roaching. Oh gosh. It I was like, I, I picked out all like the pesky, like critter ones. And then some <laughs> of them I literally just made up. Okay. Roaching is when the person you've been seriously or somewhat seriously dating though maybe haven't yet had the talk with conceals the fact that they've also been seeing other people. When you learn about their roach-like habits and confront them, they feign innocence and claim they had no clue that the two of you were in an exclusive relationship. I have had this happen to me. The, be- the, the, the best example of this is when a guy's like, oh, I thought we were just friends. I'm like, really? Like you hold hands, you kiss, you go out on dates with your friends? Like, yeah. So I've definitely been roached. Before. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then the last one was pocketing, which I thought, okay, like this is going to deliver some people right here. When you oh, yeah. when someone you've been seeing for a decent amount of time still hasn't introduced you to their friends or family. Mm. And here's what that, and we, we talk about this in the book too. Like 
if there is no sign of you on their social media, like red flag, if you have nary, if you have met nary a friend or family member, if you're being hidden, if you don't feel like they're proud to like take you out in public and have you on their arm, it, it's, you know, you need to, you need to swipe left on that relationship because it's going nowhere fast. And I see this a lot. This is fascinating to me too. And I would love to, to kind of get to the bottom of this. So maybe you can talk to some of your married audience. I've actually found with married couples that a friend that I'm friends with, I, you know, I would never say this to them, but you'll see on the woman's page, she'll have her husband. I love my hubby, like the everywhere, her, her man crush Monday. And then you look on his, like her profile picture is a picture of her and, you know, hubs. Then you look on his page and you would think he was single. If you looked at his page, I've even seen married couples like this. So it's like, okay, that's a red flag to me. You know, you shouldn't, if you're giving off the appearance that you're single, there's something there that's not right. Whether you're married in a relationship, whatever. Now I'm not saying you have to share a Facebook account or, or, you know, be do a woman crush Wednesday every week or whatever, but there should be some sign of you in their life, some meaningful sign, you know, on their Facebook page, whatever. And if there's not, I would start asking some questions. That's right. And whether you're single or married, you know, I love that you, you said this in the book as well, like trust your instinct, trust your gut. Because like in my situation, for example, my husband, he posts on social media like twice a year. That's for my birthday and for our anniversary, you know? And other than that, he's just like, he's not a poster. He's not. And so I think that there are some of those men who, uh, or females or women, you know, who aren't necessarily active. Um, But I think if you have like this gut feeling, like, I feel like I'm putting more into this relationship then I'm getting back. Or I feel like I'm being hidden. Like I want women to understand that. That's right. It's like, God has given you your intuition for a reason. So trust it, listen to it. Even though your husband isn't a big poster, look when he posts your birthday and your anniversary, he's making sure that his queen is, you know, is being seen and everybody knows where his heart is, you know, Mm -hmm. so he doesn't have to post that every day to prove some point to you. But you are present on his page and he makes sure he makes you feel special on those days. And I think that, yeah, you know, like you said, they don't I don't need a guy who's going to tweet about me every five minutes or, you know, post his declarations of love every week. But just I need to have some sort of presence in his life and on his page and among his friends and family. And if I don't, I'm probably being pocketed. Right. (laughs) Well, Mandy, thank you so much for this. This has been a great conversation. Um, Yeah. So I will let everyone know they can head over to your website, mandyhale.com. And also I will, of course, link to the book, where they can buy the book, all of that in the show notes of this podcast. Um, So thanks again for being here today. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. I told you it was going to be another good one. You guys, as a podcaster, sometimes I'm just like, what is my life? Like, I absolutely love the fact that I get to sit here and talk to some really extraordinary people. And Mandy is one of those people. So thanks so much, Mandy, for what you shared with us on the show today. Be sure, like I said earlier, to go everywhere books are sold and pick up her book. It is called Don't Believe the Swipe, Finding Love Without Losing Yourself. And also be sure to follow Mandy on social media at The Single Woman. What are some key takeaways that you heard from today's show? Or maybe what are some things that you're going to start doing differently or more importantly, 
thinking differently because we know that our behavior is a direct result of our thoughts. And so I want you to think about that for a little bit. Think about what are some things that you can switcheroo and you're thinking that will have you acting differently. Well, if you guys have not already subscribed to the podcast, be sure that you are subscribed. And I would love for you to check out the show notes. The show notes is where all the really good resources are. And so I will have links to Mandy's book. I will also have links to her website, her social media handles, and other really helpful, valuable information. You can find all of that over on the podcast at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 35. So that wraps it up for our show today, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate those of you who are listening and sharing, and of course, for your ratings and reviews. Guys, be sure to register for the Boundaries Workshop. You will also find the link to that in the show notes of this podcast. So One more thing. I keep forgetting to tell you guys this every single week. I'm like, I need to tell them to sign up for the email list. If you are not already signed up for my email list, go ahead and get your free copy of my ebook called The Five Relationship Mistakes That Are Wrecking Your Life. You'll find that over at danashay.com forward slash relationship mistakes. And yes, I will link to that in the show notes of this podcast in case you forget what that link is. So I'm looking so forward to connecting with you more, to hearing your thoughts, to seeing your posts on social media. And of course, I am looking forward to seeing you on the next episode. So with all of that being said, you guys have an incredible week. I will see you on the next episode. Take care. God's Word will change our life, but sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Well, that's where I come in. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God, a scripture meditation podcast. And each week, I guide you through a scripture, giving you space to listen to the Spirit and pray about what's on your heart. Then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.